When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time for the Tennessee Power Hour. Final hour is here on this Tuesday edition. The crew is all here, live from 6th and Peabody. It's our studio, our home, here in Nashville with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. And you can find us across the radio dial in Florence, Alabama, Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Huntsville, Fox Sports Knoxville, uh, and right here in Nashville, wherever you download your podcast across the OutKick Network. Paul, the Titans, let's kick off the uh, Tennessee Power Hour, some Titans news and notes. They've made some roster moves today. We, we knew Rashad Weaver was going to injured reserve based on your reporting Sunday night about the, the broken leg. Uh, what else have they done? Derek Roberson also to uh, injured reserve, um, and he's been scratched the last two weeks with the knee injury. So it's going to cost him a total of five weeks um, at the very least. You don't know. Maybe, you know. Could be more. Yeah, but at least, went, at least Maybe he went and had surgery that, you know, knocks him out for, for a longer time. Don't know about that. Sharif Finch, who you may remember, who made this team as an undrafted rookie and had high hopes at one time um, and played a decent amount of games for this team over the course of two years. 23 games in 2018 and 2019. Three games for the Jets in 2020. It's been with the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Bears. He's on the practice squad. Um, and they let go of a defensive lineman you didn't know was on the practice squad, Andrew <laughs> Brown. Um, so those are their moves for the time. Tomorrow's injury report is going to be a very curious thing because, um, you know, Mike Vrabel is talking about how big the injury report's going to be this week. But I went back and kind of looked, and outside of guys who were already on it, now Roberson's not going to be on it because he's on IR. You know, is Julio Jones going to be on the injury report this week? Is the tightness revealed in terms of what body part? You know, we know that A.J. Brown's going to be on the injury report with his hamstring. We know Caleb Farley, after missing two weeks with the shoulder, is, is going to be on the injury report. But, um, you know, and, and a couple guys are going to be back. Uh, Rob Moore certainly talked like Marcus Johnson will be practicing this week. He's got a window now to come off of, of I.R., uh, depending on what they choose to do, but he's he's done his three weeks, mm-hmm. um, so he's eligible to return. Darrington Evans is eligible to return, so we'll see. They have a potential to get a couple of guys back there on offense who could could help them. I don't know that Evans is somebody shouting out to come back, but Marcus Johnson is somebody that could help them if A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are both uh, at some risk here. And it could certainly help them just if A.J. Brown's out. He's better than some of those back-end receivers. Well, isn't the hope that A.J. Brown doesn't have to play until the Buffalo game? That you could sit him the next two weeks and get that hamstring as close to completely healthy as possible? Yeah, I I would think that that is a, a logical scenario depending on how how bad it is. I think they'll call him week to week and see. I wouldn't expect them to practice, uh, you know, in the next couple days. And Julio Jones is the one that, that um, you know, is very curious. They, 
they created a curious case with the Julio Jones stuff. So it's interesting to see what the next step with him is. All this, all this talk locally uh, here about load management for Julio Jones, for the guy who has practiced, Paul, to my knowledge, he has practiced every day since the regular season started. I, I mean, think so, yeah. Because the, there's been no pace to that. You know, going into the season, it was like, well, he's not going to practice because he didn't practice in Atlanta. Well, they had to get him up to speed with their quarterback they, because he didn't play during the preseason. He wasn't available in, except for, what, the first four practices or something. Yeah, he practiced the Monday, um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, heading into Arizona. I would have expected him to eventually disappear as a Wednesday Yeah, this is the week where he's not practicing. the season goes on. And – this could be the start the of that, there. not just Wednesday. We'll Who find knows? out. We'll find out. The anticipation um, is they're not going to be practicing with A.J. Brown or Julio Jones tomorrow. They created a story here. Now, I, I kind of you – know, I wrote about it today. I, I, I tried to investigate it a little bit. Quite frankly, it could have been no story if they simply got on the microphone and said, A.J. Brown questionable tightness uh, during the game. I know uh, Chad hates that tightness thing but that would have been I, I don't, an, an, an in-game, in-game injury report again right? I don't mind the word tightness I think when you're talking about what when the question is why did AJ Brown sit out the last drive of the game last and quarter the of the game he was tight Julio yeah Julio Jones yeah sorry I, I mean, do that once in a while it's too. weird um but also my kind of my feeling about it is you know, and I talked to you because you, you observed this closely. He yep. kind of got a, a checked out in a relatively quick manner. And I think the implication for the mechanism of how you check him out and report if it's an injury or not was he was available to go back into play. And so it looked like he was going to go back into play. And so there was no repetitive request like what's wrong with him because it looked like he was going to go back into play. And so you don't then hound and say, well, what's the injury status on well, throughout Julio the, Jones? Because it looks like he might go back into play any second. Yeah, through, throughout the end of the third, at the very end of the third, early fourth, uh, and throughout the fourth, really, you could watch Julio Jones go up to Rob Moore. He's trying to lobby to go in the game. They would not, he, and Moore wasn't having it. So it was already decided at that point, no. Julio's not going back into the game. Unless it's an emergency situation. They had two emergency situations. Very high-priced emergency situation guys by the end of that game. It's just kind of weird. That's what I wrote. It was weird. I love that he's trying to get back in the game. I mean, that's good news for the Titans. that's what you expect, He is trying to argue to get back in there is is good. Well, you know what's worked? Um, And and look, I'm not saying Julio Jones needed this. He's a pro football Hall of Famer five years after he retires. I know what you're going to say. Vrabel called him out. And it worked. Rabel called him out, and this dude's been – he had a fire lit under him after week one. Yeah. He showed up in week two. He was chasing down an interception uh, you know, in this game. Yeah. But he's blocking downfield, uh, and yeah. I, I, they, they need have, him. They, they need him. And uh, before the fans start saying, oh, just rest him these, these next oh, two weeks. People are so into that. Uh, and, just shut it down and for and the AJ next Brown two weeks too. and roll the ball out there. Uh, keep in mind, this team lost to the Cincinnati Bengals a year ago. Uh, the terrible Cincinnati Bengals. So – and yeah. it has a habit of playing to the level of its competition. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've, we, we've yet to see this team really punch another team in the mouth so, and, and put the foot on the throat and stomp them out. They should do that the next two weeks. These next two teams are pathetic. The Jets and the, the, the Jags are terrible teams. But also, you if know what teams like this If you're a top-tier team – you knock them out early, and you don't give them a chance to breathe. I absolutely agree with you. But 
The way There's the no league but works. But the, le- the way the league works, teams like this find a way at some point. They, no. they bubble up and come they up find for air. A way it can't they, be against this team. They find a way against other bad teams on Thursday night football. That's when they find well, a way. I agree with you. You don't find a way against the, the Titans who consider themselves to be in Super Bowl contention. I'll just circle back to what you said. The Cincinnati Bengals had no offensive linemen last year. I know. Found a way to beat. That can't happen again. Division-winning Tennessee Titans It team. is imperative that they get off to a hot start. We've focused on that for the last two months. They, they, are, they have been handed a gift by the NFL schedule makers. They, they need to be 4-1 and because they very easily could be 4-3 after that. They're fortunate to be 2-1 and one going into last week. They were fortunate to face a very banged-up Colts team this week uh, and survive three turnovers to none for the Colts to get to 2-1 and one on the season uh, after the comeback in Seattle. They need to take advantage of what has been gifted to them with a bow uh, with on the road against the Jets. The Jets are just already mailing it in and the Jags don't stand a prayer with the fact that they have a rookie quarterback and, Joe, and, and, and Trevor Lawrence that's throwing more picks than touchdown passes or completions in some cases on, the, on pace and games. And uh, he's already thrown more interceptions than he did his, what, his sophomore and junior years combined in college. And you raise exactly the right point. Not only are these the perfect teams for the Titans to play, but they offer the perfect uh, cure for what the Titans are failing to do in terms of taking the ball away from anybody. They have that it's, one takeaway with Kevin yeah. Byard's interception. They should go take the ball away from two rookie quarterbacks in a row, confusing them, hammering them, forcing fumbles, taking interceptions, positioning the offense in great spots for them to, to go score easily and, and get that uh, take, giveaway-takeaway ratio mm-hmm. back into nice – yeah, no, Wilson and Lawrence could help them with that. But, and you guys might say I'm crazy for this, and maybe this is me putting too high of expectations on this Titans team and what they should be. I think they've played one good half of football this year. Yeah. They really have. Yeah. That's it. Second they half played of a great half against Seattle, and they were miserable in week one throughout. And then this week, I, I did, they did not play very well. Average. I mean, the, the, the Colts, they were gifted a win because the Colts are injured and bad. And they just sort of muddled along and found a way in the end. And, look, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what you do in the NFL at times. It's a grind. I mean, no one's going to sit here and, and say sorry for a win in right. the NFL, especially a division win. Any division win's a good win. I'm not saying anything about that. But you've got to look at these next two games and say, let's get us right. Let's start playing the way we need to play. I don't know that you can really do that without A.J. Brown because A.J. Brown is – the catalyst at receiver for this team that you're going to need to get going at some point, but you can still work on enough to where you play a couple of games against bad opponents, you should win both easily, but you should also be saying at the end of this, well, the Titans figured some things out, and now maybe they'll get some momentum before the tough part of the schedule gets here. Yeah, and coming up in 10 minutes, I'll, I'll tell you where they can vastly improve against some bad teams over the next two weeks, what they can work on. Here's one more point about the Julio Jones thing. I wish I had thought of this and written it in what I wrote. <clears throat> it's kind of like the analytics decision, right? You judge – the Titans went for it on fourth and four, right, in the, or early on. It was judged the, <clears throat> the, the fifth best coaching uh, move of the, of the weekend by the one analytics right. service that measures such things. You don't judge that. After they make the conversion, you judge it when they do it. Is it the right decision when they do it? And I think a lot of Titans fans 
and it's not been that vocal on Twitter, but the Titans fans that have responded to me are bashing me for making the Julio Jones thing a big deal. Well, they, he knew they could win without him. They went and won it without You can't judge it after the fact. Say, so, oh, yeah, well, you know, he knew that they were going to uh, hit that two-point conversion and win the game by two scores and be fine. You can't judge the Julio Jones weirdness after the fact and say, well, it was all okay. You have to judge it at the moment, right? Like, kind of like those analytics decisions. When they say, okay, we'll be fine without Julio Jones after A.J. Brown's already out, when the Colts, a team that has a habit of sticking around against you and finding a way to win, you're living a risky, edgy well, life right there in the moment, not after the result, after a, a, an hour later when you've won the game and you say, whew, they, yeah, they did all right with that, so he did the right thing. You have to judge it when he does it. They're just being very overly cautious with a player that they know they have to keep healthy with A.J. Brown's sideline because they are getting abs- – close your eyes and tell me what you see, as Coach Mack would say. They're getting absolutely nothing from Josh Reynolds. Nothing. And you? so they have to have Julio Jones because other than that, they have Jeff Swaim, Nick Westbrook-Akina, and Cam Batson on the field. I mean, that and, – and if Henry's not on the field, it's an automatic pass with those guys. Bring me Marcus Johnson, I say. Uh, he outplayed Josh Reynolds throughout camp when Josh Reynolds was a uh, hit or miss Bring me guy. Josh Reynolds. Anyway. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Marcus the Johnson's guy, a better the guy, player again, than Josh he, he found the field for the Rams and did some things. So yeah, let's get something guy, out of him. Quite frankly, they signed a guy. I guess he didn't aggravate this Achilles till he got here, but now he's got this Achilles issue that comes and goes. That wasn't a factor this week, but it's been a factor in him not being around enough to turn himself into a factor. I will never trust a guy from here on out that does his opening teleconference with <laughs> the team's car. media in a car while driving. Well, Caleb this. Farley did the same thing. So put him, he's, I know he's on your list. To his point. Again, yeah, that's <laughs> two. Mark it two. down. That's two check marks. Coming up, if the Titans take care of what they should take care of against two terrible opponents with the Jets and the Jags, I'm going to harp on this all week. They should stomp these teams out. Um, if they take care of business early in these games, they can work on some key aspects of their offense and get ready for Kansas City and Buffalo. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. Coming up, we will discuss what uh, wide receivers coach Rob Moore had to say as to why Josh Reynolds wasn't active on Sunday. It has to do with special teams. OutKick 360 Always. rolls on. That's always, always a convenient excuse, right? Always what you go Translation, to. he's when not they, good enough. When they signed him, they were not worried about his ability to per- participate on special teams. Because Bud Dupree contributed to special teams? Exactly. His emergency on role. Sunday? Okay. Um, yeah, emergency role only, Chad. Get it right. Blake, br- break glass for emergency only. Right. He's behind the glass. So, the, the, the NFL, they didn't do this on purpose. I'm not trying to set it up like that. But they gifted the Titans with this schedule because they started fast. They're two and one fortunate to be two and one, quite frankly, turned it over three times last week, horrible first half against Seattle. They come back in epic fashion to win in overtime. It counts. They're two and one. Um, now they face the Jags and then the jet, the jets before the Jags uh, in consecutive weeks that allows them to work on a few areas in a key areas, crucial areas of their offense, which is not really up to speed yet. They've won two games without AJ Brown contributing in either win. Um, they won last week without Julio Jones contributing in the second half. 
it's been a, a guy stepping up into roles, next man up mantra, which is, which is great, but it's not conducive for a lengthy season ahead over the final three quarters. Number one, by taking care of – and here's what I mean by taking care of business. Stomping out these terrible opponents and not giving them any sign of hope by the third and fourth quarter. That's what I mean by taking care of business. That's what the Broncos have done against three terrible opponents to begin the season, for instance. That's what the Titans should do against the Jets and the Jags. Number one, by building a lead and sitting on it, they don't have to rely on Derrick Henry's workload. The guy had 68 carries over the last two weeks. That's the most he's ever had in consecutive games throughout his career. The second most in consecutive weeks on carries. This doesn't count catches. It doesn't count a two-point conversion. It's just carries. 68 over the last two weeks, both wins, but they needed them. The second most, guys, 57. He had 11 more carries in these two games than he's had in consecutive games previously. I mean, it's not even close with the workload. And the second most to him was Joe Mixon, and it was like significantly less over that two-week period. Significantly less. He is their offense, and that's just – that's just the simple truth to this. It is Derrick Henry and then everything else. And they have to get away from that. They need this guy to be ready to go for the second half of the season. I'm not saying he won't be. I still believe in Henry and everything he's capable of doing and shattering some records and being a pro football Hall of Famer based on leading the league in rushing yet again. And if he does it back-to-back seasons, the 2K, he's, or he's, he's got the gold jacket. We'd be but nice for him to – to do three quarters of this work is, and be well, done. My point is this is more than just individual achievement. This is about achieving what you're capable of achieving with the roster that you bring into the 2021 season. I picked them in the Super Bowl for a reason. I believe in the talent that they have on offense, and defensively they are improved. They're going to really climb the ranks in the defensive rankings over the next two weeks, and offensively they have a chance to really work on things. So number one is not – you want to talk about load management. This schedule is going to allow you to have load management with Derrick Henry if you treat it the right way. Let me pick up on one thing there. I don't know where he is in his recovery. I don't know if he gets activated this week. You know, I would hope Darrington Evans is okay and is on the practice field tomorrow and and can be a part of this game. Mm -hmm. Because what you're talking about, he could help take carries from Henry if they have a big lead. And then be in position to play the role they brought him here for against Kansas City and Buffalo. Yes. Having had two yes. games of work. I agree. Instead of his three-week window opening for Kansas City and him keep getting mind, his first touch against Kansas City if they so choose to do it that way. Keep in mind, too, he's piled up these carries. They don't even want him on the field on third down. No, I asked to, to, uh, Tony Dews He is not Dews a part of the third today. down package. And they said, you know, he's on some third and shorts, but I asked Tony Dews about that today, and I gave him the, the option to kind of say it's a Derrick Henry workload thing. And he went the route instead of talking about it being a Jeremy McNichols skill set thing. Well, which, we, we uh, said uh, – one thing has been true. We, we said whenever Henry signed that four-year $50 million deal, over, it was front-loaded over the first two years – First two years is when the money was. This and then, is the second year already. Yes, and they are, we said they're going to give him every possible carry. They're going to run this guy into the ground. That's exactly what they're doing. 
the proof is in the numbers here. 68 carries in two weeks, both wins. They have to do this in order to win. This is their offense right now. It doesn't have to be. Shouldn't have to do it, it against doesn't the have Jets. To be. Exactly. Shouldn't have to do it against not, the Jets. Not the next not. two weeks. Um, keep this on my – and they've really improved since week one on this, and this is where their bread and butter is in the passing game. They're, over the last two weeks, both wins, no player in the NFL has more play-action passing yards than Ryan Tannehill. That needs to continue, and early and often against these two defenses they're about to play. Continue this trend – of getting Tannehill going in the passing game and getting his receivers active with the play action. That's their bread and butter. He's 17 of 23 over the past two weeks for 260 yards on play action. And this is pretty impressive considering that A.J. Brown, who is the core of that, dropped a bunch of balls last week and didn't catch a ball this week or had one before he went down with the hamstring. But it, it also So it doesn't matter who the target is. How much you have to respect Henry in all of this. Uh, play action with Jeremy McNichols doesn't work. Let's put it that way. Um, well, that's why you're saying you got to get it early and often because yes. the hope is you're not having to ride Henry in these yes. games in the second half. Also, Tannehill, play action versus non-play action, he ranks 25th in passing in non-play action He le- over the last two weeks. Leads the league in play action passing yards. That's where he's at his best. And this is where this, this next key is crucial to everything they're doing this year. They survived last year by ignoring the kicking game um, because of their red zone numbers. They took advantage when they reached the red zone of scoring touchdowns and not putting terrible kickers out there to kick the field goal. Really? For two years, they've been great yeah. in the red zone. And, and, and this year, they're not doing that. They're, they're kicking a lot in the red zone. They need to improve on these red zone numbers over these next two weeks and gear up for a tough stretch. 19 teams, 19 teams through three weeks have a red zone percentage of 60% or better. The Titans are not there. They're not one of those 19 teams. They started two and two, uh, two for two in the red zone. Since then, they're five for 11 on trips to the red zone. And this is concerning and problematic because they're reaching the red zone, but they're not getting touchdowns. They're settling for Randy Bullock field goals. That's problematic for this offense. Don't settle for these kicks with this merry-go-round of kickers that they've been going, to, going through. Put it on the hands of Tannehill, Henry, and your good wide receiving core. That's, what, that's why they were where they were a year ago in these offensive rankings. They took advantage. When they reached the red zone, they scored touchdowns. They have not done that on a clip anywhere close to last year, out of the gate this year. These next two weeks, they can work in this area. They have the second most yards of offense the last two weeks, the Tennessee Titans do. But yet they're 5 for 11 in reaching the red zone after a 2 for 2 start to begin the year. Speaking, That's troubling. Speaking That's a of, sign of concern. Speaking of the kicker, who's done good work when they've given him those opportunities, Ficken hurt himself right before the, the Friday before the opener. So he's eligible. If his groin is fine, Yep. And they could put him on the field tomorrow morning. What do you do? You stick with Bullock. Bullock. No question. Yeah, you stick with Bullock. You don't put the guy out there that injured himself right before the first game. You, get, you go with the guy that's been Congrats. making him. Ficken is owed nothing. He made kicks in the preseason against the scrub. So yeah, you, no, get him, look, you get him onto the practice squad and you wait until Bullock struggles. The yeah. moment Bullock yeah. starts to struggle, which probably will happen at some point, 
given his history, then you then you then, then you, you got the switcheroo in. potential. But it, here's why, and I'm not even saying Randy Bullock is going to miss these kicks. It's a troubling sign because if you get in the red zone in this league right now, you have to come away with touchdowns. The Colts had a 17-play drive and came away with three, and that, it led to Vrabel killer. going for two. That's why Vrabel went for two on the next possession because it actually played against the Colts to hold the football for as long as they did and to only come away with three. Deflated. He could send the death knell to them by going up by two possessions in the fourth quarter because they leaked and drained all of that clock for three points. The Titans cannot do this. You could, they, they've won over the last two weeks by doing this. You cannot sustain this in the NFL. They have to start cashing in. It's funny because they've been a very good red zone team. And very good. some of the time the issue has been getting in the red zone, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and now they're in the red zone and the, 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 they're, they're not finishing at their regular rate. I, I'm, and I'm who are they missing up. there? That one of the guys they're missing there who we haven't talked much about, Johnny Smith, really good red zone, red zone weapon, um, right? Well, in the first half, the first – Quarter of the season last when year when they were when they were throwing he to had him. six touchdowns at this time last year and AJ Brown you know you want in the red zone and he wasn't available in this last game and the game before that he was dropping it um, and look I'm not trying to hit the panic button I will if this trend continues against these next two teams they they need to be hitting their stride when they go when they come back to Nissan Stadium and take advantage of their home games they've already dropped one. They need to win the games at home, their next six games at home. And those include a stretch back-to-back weeks. On, short, on a short week, Buffalo and Kansas City. They need to improve in these areas in order to do that. Or they're not the team we thought they were. That, and that, that will show up in the playoff rankings. I think they're a playoff team because of their division. Their other three opponents in their division are the bottom seven teams in the league if we're just doing power rankings. The Colts would be the next best. And they would be, what, 25th probably out of 32 at best? And they just beat them with a minus three turnover right. differential. Right. I mean, they're, they're in the postseason. And without a bunch of their stars. Minus some terrible injury, rash of injuries to their quarterback and running back. They're in the postseason. They're not going very far unless they improve in this area. Well, and this is the opportunity now, these two weeks, to go into those games and that difficult stretch where you have – it's not just momentum in winning the games. They're – they should win these games. Yes. It's more yes. of a, yeah, right. we feel like we're now rolling. This yes. is who we are. Yes. This is what we're going to be. This rolling is what we're going to do. And as you and, pointed and out. And now we're going to roll through these next opponents. And you, met, you mentioned 15 minutes ago, you, you feel confident in every aspect of your offense and you're getting A.J. Brown back off the hamstring injury. Well, That's this the key. Is, this is the good news for the Titans while they have not been sharp and I, I said it they've played one good half out of the six they've played this season the defense is better I can definitively say that right now is it where it ultimately well, needs to be no but based on last year and where they were this defense is going to be better and what did we say all offseason doesn't have to be a top 10 defense in the league no if they can be mediocre average NFL defense with their offense which has not gotten going yet if it can get going, they're going to be just fine. Now, though, you need Christian Fulton's injury at the end of the game. He finished the game, usually a good sign. But, you know, there's some mystery to tomorrow's injury report. There's mystery every week because you don't know exactly what guys came out with. You know, well, if Christian great. Fulton has something and he's messed up for this weekend, 
Well, against the Jets, it shouldn't matter. But well, it changes the dynamic of the secondary if, if he's messed up. Wouldn't it be great to have a first-round cornerback waiting to play, available to play when Christian Fulton's injured? Get up 38-13, they'll put him in this week. Again, I what, know he's on if, the injury if, if report. Shoulders, wouldn't it be nice to have, to have that guy they drafted be ready to come in, in in spots like this? Missed a lot of time with that shoulder. And uh, we should also point out, if the Titans take care of business – the defense, they should be a little overrated by the time Kansas City and Buffalo Agreed. are here. Agree. Uh, they'll because have chances to pin their ears back and the go first rush three weeks, rookie quarterbacks. The first three weeks, even with, with what Arizona did, this is a much improved Titans defense. The Titans defense kept them in the game for a little bit against the Cardinals in week one, believe it or not. Um, and then we know what they did in the second half and then last week. Uh, second half against Seattle, then last week. Um, they're facing these bad offenses. They should inflate their numbers a bit to where they're a little bigger than what they actually are. And the offense should pick up the pace to where you feel a lot better about where they are as you begin the meat of your schedule. They're going to have chances schedule. to go hit the quarterback here in both of these games. And you know what? This is also – And intercept the ball. Also, again, I'm taking advantage of the schedule. It's time for Todd Downing to game plan something against these defenses that doesn't include giving Derrick Henry the football 68 times over the next two weeks. Do something. I mean, you have the talent available. Let's, let's see you get after it. He's been given the keys to a Ferrari, and we're going to need to see more with that Ferrari. Though I, I, I will say doing. to that, and I get your point entirely, and I don't disagree with it. If Mike Vrabel's thing is ride Henry till we die – and he's not well, saying find a way to lessen the load on That's counter to what Henry. they're doing with Julio Jones. Like, they need Julio healthy. Yeah, but Julio they is to... dainty somewhat, uh, or has, has been. With, uh, last year he was. When he played, he was productive, but he was out a lot more than half the time. And, and on Sunday they saw fit to, to put him in bubble wrap for emergency it's, only. It's just very convenient to say bubble wrap for Julio Jones and Bud Dupree when – they're not afraid to leave Taylor Lewan on an island and let him pout about where he is in his knee recovery. Yeah, it's selective enforcement. And then give Henry the football 68 times in two weeks. You know what I mean? Like, I, I agree. They're picking th- this injured guy needs to be really, uh, you know, handled with bubble wrap. And this, uh, this guy who, who injured guy is okay to go. And this guy, we're not worried about getting hurt despite – Using well, him 68 times I, I, in the last I, And I'm taking this from the practice and the game. Like, they're telling us – I mean, Lawan is a full participant in practice and doesn't play in Seattle after the warm-ups. Then returns to Nashville and is a full participant in practice. If that would have been Julio Jones, the guy doesn't practice. Like, they would monitor what's going on. Bud Dupree's the same way. He's coming off the same ACL injury that Taylor had. It's, it's just – it doesn't make sense one player to the next – on how they treat this. And it's very convenient when, you know, you don't want to talk about injuries. You just throw out, oh, we're, you know, it's just tightness. We'll find out tomorrow. You're right. Yeah, that injury report will it, be well, educational. They could, pra- they could have 22 starters on the injury report tomorrow. Well, they could also play with limited, too, right? You send a guy out for, to do one rep of individual, and he's limited. Yeah. What's your gut on Darrington Evans, Paul? Any idea? Uh, no, 
I, I, I mean, the tone of things today with the offensive assistant coaches that Marcus Johnson will be working tomorrow. No one's talking about him. We were talking about him a lot in the preseason. Marcus Johnson? No, no, no. Darrington Evans. Evans. I, I didn't you know. I, I they, mean, they need him. Really? I guess. See, I, mean, I don't feel like they need him. I mean, Jeremy McNichols scored the touchdown. He's playing the third down role. That, 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 that's not a huge yeah, role for yeah. them. And Evans, to me, didn't look that fast before he got hurt. If he was electric in the preseason, I'd say, boy, they could use that electric third down running back. But he didn't look electric. And he hasn't looked electric, and he hasn't been out there. So I'm feeling like uh, almost like the kicker situation, like until there's a, a, you feel a need for him, he's going to have to like barge his way in, I feel like. Very convenient for this Titans team to just, whenever it's convenient to put these players out there, they'll put them out there, you know? You can't get away with that for too long. But I do feel like it would be great if Evans was ready this week and they kind of did force him into it because if you could use him these two weeks, it would be nice then to have an extra dynamic. I, I don't I, believe he offers it, but they do. Uh, if well, they, they draft him in the third dynamic, round, yeah. so they believe it. I mean, mm. uh, that's – Hey, they drafted Des for Fitzpatrick in Yeah, the I mean, look, that's a, that's a wasted pick. That's another wasted pick. So if, they, if Jeremy McNichols is the guy and they don't feel like Darrington Evans can give them anything, I, I don't see how that's the case yet. No, they haven't played it out yet. I mean, he – I want to see it's him. Still I see him. It's still extremely early. It's still extremely early. If he suffers another injury, then you start to say, well, but I, he's a guy that needs to make the roster next year in training camp. We're also judging other teams right now. We might as well dive into what the Titans are showing us. And they're telling us Josh Reynolds just flat out isn't good enough to see the field. I mean, when they, when they use the special teams excuse as to why a player is not active, that guy is not even get, seeing the light of day when it comes to consideration for a game plan during the week. And again, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unbelievable question about this team, right? It's a pretty damn good team that we have reasonable, very high hopes for that's getting nothing out of its first two draft picks, its high-priced uh, free agent acquisition, its top receiver acquisition, and it just shut down its big trade acquisition for a big – second half that, that that's four and a half guys worth of uh virtually no contribution so <laughs> well, far that, through really three is. games you can you can stub that's your amazing. toe and get through that though with with a banged up walking wounded indie team they are going to get housed by buffalo kansas city and good teams if that continues right but they have two so now almost by weeks coming and, up to well, figure and that's out. that's the problem i have with aj brown now being hurt i mean i think logically if it's a, a tender hamstring, you sit him until he's ready against Buffalo. But I also want to see A.J. Brown get going with this offense. And this would be two important games to do that. But this list of guys I just gave is on top of last year when your first-round pick completely busted, when your – who was last year's second-round pick? Uh, when when uh, Fulton wasn't yeah, really Christian doing Fulton, anything. Yeah. And then when Bud Dupree – I mean, not Bud Dupree, when uh, – um, from Atlanta. Oh, uh, Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley had no interest in playing football. And when Jadavian Clowney was only doing things that a, a magical football mind could, could see. So that's four guys from last year who were doing virtually nothing. Four guys from this year who so far have done virtually nothing. But the team won the division last year, and they're 2-1 and one so far well, this, this year. The, uh, imagine if these guys were contributors. And also imagine if this division didn't suck. Yeah. 
This division isn't going to be the worst in football forever, and it's shaping up that way right now. There are three awful teams in this division (sighs) in the Titans. Uh, things are really falling in their favor, considering all these. Well, no that, doubt. start hitting on some first, second, and third round picks, or you will be the Houston Texans in two years. Well, and the things, the things but they might be were, in the Super Bowl issue. Well, they they can't stub their toe like they did last year against Cincy. That that was a game you knew was going to come back to bite them. These two teams AFC are worse game than Cincy was last on the road. Uh, bad bad AFC team on the road, and would have been an AFC win instead of an AFC loss. Um, and if you take care of your games at home and you split your games on the road, you're hosting games in the postseason. And, and they hosted a game in the postseason, which they well, lost. If they win that game against Cincy, they get to host the Colts and not the Baltimore Ravens, um, a team that they beat last year. Yeah, that they were due to lose. Um, in, in Indy, 45-26, the last time they saw them at, right after Thanksgiving. Now, they also lost to the Colts 34-17 last year. But – my point is – In a game that was worse than that score, frankly. Don't let the Bengals of this year, the Jets and the Jags, put up 31 on you, and you're only able to muster 20 points on a terrible outing. They should put up 20 points in the first half and be looking over their shoulder, quite frankly, against warming these up, offenses. Warming up the bus. Yeah. Coming up, injury concerns at quarterback for the Vols. But Chad's going to tell us about the quarterback position – and who plays, and what it will tell us about the future stretch here for who they're about to play and against some winnable games and opponents. That's straight ahead on OutKick 360. Talk some Vols football on OutKick 360. Chad, finish this sentence. If Hendon Hooker doesn't play, what? Tennessee loses on Saturday. They need Hendon Hooker badly. I went back and watched a bit of that game, and especially in the first half. And his ability to throw the ball with touch is something that's completely lacking from Joe Milton. And keep in mind, Tennessee's down. Uh, at the, they're actually up 14-10 to 10 in the second quarter. They get a stop. They get the ball back. And the first play of that drive, Josh Heupel draws up this play-action, roll to the right, throw back to Jacob Warren. He is wide open for a possible touchdown. And Hendon Hooker gets a little bit of pressure but throws it seven feet over his head. So he had one really bad overthrow, too, in that game that would have been a huge play. May have put Tennessee up 21-10 to 10 with that play design on that play. So Hendon Hooker's not been perfect, but his ability to throw the ball with touch with some accuracy down the field is going to be needed in these winnable games for Tennessee. That starts this Saturday. This is a very winnable game. I think if Hendon Hooker plays, Tennessee's the better team. From what I've seen from both Tennessee and Missouri so far this year, it's going to be close. Yeah. But I think Tennessee wins this game. It'll be a good college game. football game. I think, yeah, I think Tennessee wins if Hendon Hooker can go. If not, and it's Joe Milton, and it's Joe Milton nursing whatever this mysterious lower body injury is, again, what I've seen from Joe Milton to start the season and what I saw from Joe Milton in relief on Saturday night, so, I just don't think he's accurate enough with the deep ball, which Tennessee is going to need in this offense at some point, to win the game. So the lower body injury with Milton is different than the, the injury that he sustained that put Hooker in the game to begin with a couple of weeks ago? Is that what you're saying? No, it's all the same injury. They're saying it's a lower body injury that he sustained in that hit against Pitt where he fumbled. Um, it looked like he got hit in the midsection. The aggravated? I don't know, it's a, but it's, it's not as – last year was a thumb at Michigan that bothered him. It's a lower body injury is what they're saying, but – He's not walking around with a boot. He was on the sideline. Yeah, right, he came in. Right. But Josh Heupel said post game, 
we were hoping we didn't have to play him in this game. He was only going in for injury to Hendon Hooker, which that's what happened. So Hendon Hooker looked like he got hit in the head, but Josh Heupel said he clarified, not even asked. He said, he's banged up. We're going to watch him this week in practice, and then paused and said, he's not in concussion protocol, by the way. He told the media in his press conference. Okay, that's so good news. That's Helpful good news. Guy. Tennessee's going to need Hendon Hooker. Quite frankly, the rest of the way, they're going to need both but at by some saying, point. By saying he's not in concussion protocol, isn't he saying, wink, wink, he's playing? I mean, I, like, I, I meaning think, he doesn't have to pass any tests in order to play on Saturday? Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, I, but, again, we don't know the nature of the injury. Like, I don't know the nature of the injury to Joe Milton either because they're not going to say – and Joe Milton's walking around in flip-flops around the facility with no limp. But he's got a lower body injury, but he played on Saturday night. He did not look good on Saturday night. Notice they didn't, they didn't call the design run for him yeah. on Saturday, which they probably would have done if Hendon Hooker were in the game. So Hooker's ability to throw the deep ball, which we've at least seen from him, that he can complete. He's had two very nice ones to Javante Payton. One against Tennessee Tech for a touchdown, then the 75-yard bomb on Saturday night in the Swamp. That combined with his elusiveness, which Tennessee's going to need against any adequate pass rush, that gives Tennessee the best chance to win. They need him on Saturday in Columbia, Missouri, if they're going to win this game. The Belmont Bruins joining the Missouri Valley Conference, making that announcement today, early this morning, out there at their campus at the Curb Event Center. So they join a conference now. Uh, they're the 11th member of the basketball conference with – Loyola Chicago, Drake, Missouri State, Indiana State, Northern Iowa, Evansville, Valparaiso, Bradley, Southern Illinois, and Illinois State. That is quite the basketball league for Belmont. It's a multi-bid league. It's a league that's getting two to four teams in sometimes a year. They're getting more than one team pretty much every year, and that's what Belmont wants. Keep in mind, Belmont just went 28-4. and four and didn't even get an NIT invitation this past year after losing their conference tournament. This is a basketball move. It is a men's basketball move. Mm -hmm. It's a great move for Belmont. Now they put themselves in that discussion. And all those programs you've listed, Hutton, I can go back and tell you all of those teams have won games in the tournament. In the tournament, and you're not, picking not them for Not just gotten upsets. the tournament, right. but won games in the tournament. Right. Effective it, immediately, or they have to wait? Starting Fall next of year. 2022. Next year. Uh, but those teams, like you, you mentioned Valpo or you mentioned Loyola Chicago and, and others, uh, Northern Iowa, there are memories of the NCAA tournament of them making big shots, shots. big moments, upsets, uh, becoming the Cinderella of the tournament. Belmont Drake. Has, has had their – Drake. They've had their options and, and opportunities to do that in the tournament, but they have one opportunity. And this, this league, they have a chance now to get the, the at-large bid, which is tremendous for that program. And – they're not the only program leaving the OVC. Uh, Eastern Kentucky left. Jacksonville State left. Austin P just announced they're leaving. They're going to the A-Sun. So the OVC now losing their fourth team in Belmont. Uh, the OVC Rumble? is struggling. Um, this also makes, you know, Belmont was the one, I believe so, yeah, the one private school in the OVC. They joined some more private schools now mm -hmm. in the Missouri Valley. It, it, it makes perfect sense for Belmont. It's a no-brainer. Paul, just setting up tomorrow, uh, big, big day for uh, Titans Injury Report. We'll be on the lookout as we start the show. 
Yeah. Uh, they're all big on the Titans injury report days. Lot, well, there's, <laughs> all those there's days are somehow big. a lot more curiosity uh, about yeah. this one. And, uh, you know, there might be some rest days in there, even the way Mike Vrabel is talking on, on Sunday about his beat-up, tired football team. That, that is for sure, based on how they ended that game. Uh, that is tomorrow across uh, the OutKick Network. We'll also discuss SEC football. Two massive matchups as Alabama and Ole Miss kick off. Georgia and Arkansas, there are some under-the-radar matchups across the Southeastern Conference as well that we'll hit on. Can't That's wait. tomorrow. Hope you'll join us on OutKick 360. Let's remain together and have a business dinner tonight while all of you don't block the box and do lock the locks. <laughs>